Darnell Nurse got married over the weekend. Pre-tournament game for Canada at the World Juniors at Rogers Place. Last tune-up game, then they play for real. Uh, Canada does starting on Wednesday. The tournament starts tomorrow. Sweden scored a couple of minutes ago, but Canada leading it 3-1. That is uh, a little bit past the halfway point of the second period. Sebastian Costa from the Edmonton Oil Kings took over in net halfway through the second period. Speaking of Canadian star goalies, we're going to have Irma's Scott Ratzlaff on the show at 7.05. He just helped Canada win the Halinka Gretzky Cup. He was uh, outstanding in that tournament. Baseball tonight, Baltimore 5 Toronto won. That game is in the fifth, and we were talking about the Edmonton Elks woes in the first half hour of the show. Their next game is coming up on Saturday. It is Saskatchewan in town, 6.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 8. Saskatchewan 4-4, four and four, the Elks sitting at 2-6. and six. Uh, I, I'm going to bring in uh, my buddy Rob Brown. Of course, he and I do all the Oilers games together. You get us on overtime open line. Rob, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very good, Reed. How are you? I am doing very well. It's nice to talk to you. Thanks for still uh, taking the time to pop on a couple times here in the summer. I know we talked uh, around free agency, so a little uh, little less than a month ago. Look, I, I'm going to ask you the the Elks related question, and and, and uh, I, I know you you're a hockey guy, um, mm-hmm. but you know we, we you and I covered some painful years here uh, in Edmonton. You were pretty lucky because most of your career in junior and in pro, you played on good teams. Um, but the Elks are two and six, and they've been absolutely blown out in in three of those games. Tell me about the mindset of an athlete, um, you know, going through a going through a tough time. Is it is it as simple as on to the next game? Do things start to weigh on you? I, I mean, what do you whether it's an Edmonton team or not? When you see a team really getting it handed to them, uh, what kind of goes through your mind? Well, I, I have not. As you said, I've never been on a team that has gone through what the Elks have gone through or what the Oilers did for a number of years. I've gone through stretches of a season, and it does weigh on you. It weighs on everything about you. You can't turn on a TV or listen to the radio or read a paper without seeing something negative. Uh, I, I played in an era without social media, so I couldn't imagine what it's like now. Uh, your family's hearing things. Your kids are hearing things. Uh, it's just a negative vibe. And uh, playing pro sports, uh, getting paid to play a kid's game is the greatest job in the world. But when it weighs on you, when you're going into a rink after the fifth straight loss or sixth straight loss or a blowout, uh, and you're walking on pins and needles, like there's going to be changes. Are there going to be trades? Are there going to be a mix up in the lineup? Are they going to fire a coach? And then the media gets on you, and then the fans get on you. So I could not imagine what those players are going through and magnified with the fact that social media is something uh, that is dangerous nowadays. It gives everybody a voice and some of those people shouldn't have a voice because they're not speaking from experience or speaking from uh, professionalism. So it would be really tough for those players right now, as well as all of the management and everyone else. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. Uh, and I, I think we we kind of knew it was going to be a, a tough year with the with the football team, but it's pretty it's pretty discouraging when the uh, the opposing quarterback has four hundred and seventy seven yards and five touchdowns, and he didn't even need to play the entire game uh, because they were so <laughs> no, far ahead. But but having said that, that's, that, not, he, that's not good. Yeah, no, no that's not a no, good night for him. He is outstanding, though. I mean, and I was saying in the first half hour of the show, he's torched some other teams as well, which is a pretty interesting story. A Canadian quarterback doing that. Okay, so you and I were touch earlier today because I texted you and I said, I, I said, Rob, did you see this story? 
And and then you you obviously took a couple minutes to read it because you wrote me back and was like, oh, yeah, that brings back some memories. And I said, <laughs> well, you should tell them tonight. So if people haven't seen this, um, the uh, the Los Angeles Sparks of the WNBA uh, were forced to sleep at an airport when their flight was canceled. So they won a game Sunday night. They were supposed to go back to L.A. at 1 a.m. It was rescheduled for 9 so, you know, players and coaches posted stuff on social media. One of the assistant coaches took a picture of some airport seating and wrote our beds tonight. Um, so not an ideal situation for them. Now, you played in the NHL. It, 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 when you started your career, there weren't charters. And then obviously you played some of your uh, years in the minors as well. So this, what you told me, this brings back some airport memories. <laughs> well, it, it does. I, I've never, I've never had to sleep in an airport. But two things that it brought back right away. One year, I was in the minors, and we were playing in the finals. I was with the Chicago Wolves, and we were going to Orlando to play against Orlando in the finals. And it was on our way to Game One. It was, uh, we were leaving. We we're going to land in Orlando, practice, and get ready for the game the next day, the first game of the Turner Cup Finals. And as we were taking off, just as we left the, the runway, there was an explosion, this huge bang. And we immediately came down, and there was smoke coming out of the one wing, and uh, apparently some rubber off of the runway had gone into the engine and blew the engine. So they had to bring us around. We went in, and they had to get another plane there. So at 10.30 in the morning, the coaches, the GM, the owner took us all inside to the, to the airport, and we sat in a bar. Uh, all day. We were there for, I think it was 14 hours before our plane left. By the time we landed in Orlando, the entire team was just plastered. And the Orlando Solar Bears training staff had come to get all their equipment. And the next day, there's just all anyone was talking about. This Chicago team's so cocky. They got drunk on the airplane. They're not even taking this series serious. Now, we probably should have because we ended up losing four games to one, I think, in the finals and got crushed that next day. And the other airport story, I, I can't remember the kid's name. It was a rookie that was a college kid. I thought his last name was Destner or something like that. Well, we were coming into, flying back into Chicago, and he was in the, the bathroom, and we hit some turbulence. And no one even thought of anything until so they, everyone put on their seatbelts, and the sturdises were going up and down, and the bathroom door was locked. And she kept banging on the door, banging on the door, couldn't get in. And then we started looking around, and we realized it was one of our players that was in there. And we're banging, we're yelling, we're screaming, and we're getting ready to land, and now we're trying to break the door down. And what had happened is he was sitting on the, the toilet, and we hit turbulence, and the big metal um, paper towel dispenser came off the wall, banged him on the head, and knocked him out. So he was out cold, unconscious, in the bathroom, and we couldn't get the door open to get him into his seat to get his seatbelt on. We had to wait till we landed, then they broke the door open. Sure enough, he was in there. Had to get a few stitches in the head, but he was out cold on the, the floor of the bathroom of the airplane. Oh, my goodness. You I, you have never told either of those stories before. Uh, frightening in their own way. Uh, <laughs> an explosion and a guy knocked out in the bathroom, but, but fortunately things were okay. Uh, 2001, yes, you guys, after beating the Manitoba Moose, in the semifinals, lost to the Orlando Solar Bears uh, 4-1. Well, at least they, but 14 hours in an airport bar, that's uh, that's something. <laughs> but, so, I mean, travel, I, I think anybody, like even for athletes, and I know they get to go to cool cities and, and they fly in and, and play a game, and that's, that's the focus, but it's got to be 
like it, it can't be the most mentally stimulating all the time. Okay, this airport, this bus, this hotel, game. Okay, like there there must be a point where, where like how do you kind of keep sane when, when you have a lot of travel or, or you do and I, maybe with the charters they don't wait as much, but you still got to be there early and and you know be safe and do all the this waiting type of stuff sometimes. Well, it is way better. The charters, cause I've done a few charters at the end of my career, and then I've done them with the Oilers doing some radio and TV for them. It's completely different. It's so much easier now. When we used to play and fly commercial, you'd get there two hours before. You could have delays. You'd be stuck in airplanes. Uh, back then, you'd get middle seats and be sitting between two huge dudes that uh, were just flying elsewhere, and you're sitting in the middle seat between them. And uh, So you dealt with all that, but... It, the travel is tiring. And I think that for most of the players near the end of their careers, that's the thing that uh, they, they don't miss. That's the thing that they're, when they're retired, you don't miss the travel because it, it sounds exciting. It's flying into L.A. We're fly, but all it is is hotels, uh, restaurants, and rinks. Um, they, the schedule is so compact nowadays that you don't have time to go hang out and see the sights like we did when we first played. Like when I first played, you stayed over every night. So after the game, you'd always go do something. Um, but now the guys fly, they get on the plane right afterwards, they go to the next city, get in the middle of the night, and then the next morning they just go into the rink. So it's tiring. It's, and I, I didn't realize how much harder it was for the players out west. Because out east, you were home in your own bed almost every night. Because you would play, you'd get off the 8 to 10.30, you get on a plane, fly home, you're in bed at midnight. But yeah. the guys out west, the long flights, it just it, it wears you down, and no matter how uh, good they are physically or how strong they are, it just it tires you out. And as a media guy, and we're not in the shape those players are. Like I, I can't tell you how exhausted I am when I come home from a five day road trip. I can do nothing except walk up the stairs or walk in an elevator, and I'm exhausted. I have to come home for three days, tell my wife I can't do anything. The kids are yours. I can't make dinner. I'm just tired from doing absolutely nothing for the last five days. Uh, well, it, it, it is different east and west. And, and look, the Oilers won Stanley Cups when they had to travel a lot. Colorado won it this year. I mean, the Oilers went to the Western Conference. Like it, it does happen. But I, you know, when I've talked to players uh, who, well, as you know, Mark. I mean, I've known Mark Latesto a long time, and when he came here. And from Columbus, and he said he, he definitely noticed the difference. Like he he said there was a he remembers a month in Columbus. They the entire month they played Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday because he said he had you know they have those calendars printed up, and it was every all the all four weeks were perfectly in a row Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. And he said we'd play a road game Friday, and like you would say, be home around midnight, and then have a home game Saturday night. So you know, well, your and the biggest doesn't thing get too, disrupted. Reed. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing, too, is uh, the, the days off. When you're out in the east and you get a day off, as you said, I get home at midnight. I go to bed. I get up at 9 in the morning, and if that's my day off, I actually have a real day off. Like, I actually do get rest. If you're out west, your day, they try to put the days off on certain days that benefit you the most. It's one of those ones you get home at 4 in the morning, but then you're trying to sleep. You don't sleep properly. you got a family and you're exhausted your whole day off you're exhausted so it's not an excuse and i i as i tell anyone that listens like back-to-back games but there's every team does it but i can as a fact i played my whole career in the east and there is a difference i did road trips as a media guy out west and i could feel the difference being out east is so much easier and another reason when you start to look at where players want to play they will look at something like that it's going to be lower down on the list 
But if there's two teams and everything else checks out, well, this team, I'm going to be home more with my family. I'm going to be better rested. I'm going to be able to have the chance for more success because the, the travel is that much easier. Rob Brown joining us tonight on Inside Sports with some uh, airplane, airport travel <clears throat> stories after the L.A. Sparks of the WNBA had to spend the night in an airport after their flight was canceled. Okay, let's just quickly c- catch up. Uh, we haven't had you on. Yamamoto gets a new two-year deal. Um, you know, again, Ken, Ken Holland was on with me last week shortly after the deal was uh, announced and echoed what Jay Woodcroft said about him being a popular request as uh, a line mate and his ability just to uh, pursue the, the puck and be very persistent against other teams. Look, and I know whenever we talk about Rob, we get the text, we get the phone calls. Yeah, but he's little. He's little. well, he's not going to grow. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to grow. <laughs> so you know, realistically, for you, for for Yamamoto, um, you know, can he get to twenty goals a couple more times? Do you, like, do you think that's a fair plateau for him? I I do. I believe he'll get to thirty. I, I, I think really the next. Yeah, I do. I think the, well, if he's playing with Connor or Leon, yeah, absolutely, he's going to get to thirty. Um, I think that's the next evolution for him. He has the opportunities. It's not as though that uh, he doesn't get chances. He does, and as a as a goal scorer, and he was a goal scorer in junior, goal scorer in the minors, he's, he's going to figure it out how to score more up here. When he gets his chances, what he has to do, how he has to beat goalies. So at some point, I do believe he'll score 30 goals. He's playing. He'll play with either the best passer in the world or the second best, best passer in the world. So he's going to have opportunities. He's smart. He puts himself in the right position. I don't think he's going to be a consistent 30-goal scorer, but he'll get there. I think he's players like playing with guys that think the game the proper way. If you're a smart, incredibly talented player, as Leon and Connor are, you don't want someone out there that is finding themselves in the wrong position. They've got to be able to think like you. Yamamoto can think like they can. He's persistent. He creates turnovers. Uh, to me, the next step he has to take is he has to be a little more consistent putting the puck in the back of the net. He's never going to be Evander Kane, but I do believe he'll be between 20 and 30 goals, and I do think he will at some point get 30 goals. All right, and then Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, he was signed two, three weeks ago now, avoiding arbitration. He is so talked about, Rob. I have called him a confounding player, and I'm not <laughs> saying bad player, um, but for me, the discrepancy between a good game and an off night for Jesse to me, that's sort of the issue. How does he become more consistent? And I imagine you you probably went through that and saw teammates go through that. You know, one night they're awesome, and then but but a bad night is is really bad. Like the the bad nights can't be where you have your ice time cut to seven minutes. Yeah, well, for him, it's all mental. Uh, his his physical ability is through the roof. Uh, I mean, if you look at Yamamoto and and Pugliarvi, and you start looking at what they're both capable of doing, uh, the ceiling for Pugliarvi is so much higher. He's bigger, he's stronger, he, uh, he's got a harder shot. Uh, I mean, there's so many things he can do that Yamamoto can't. For, for Yessi, the problem is he, when he loses confidence, it affects all of his game. Uh, all of a sudden, he can't take a pass, he can't make a pass. He's making wrong decisions with the puck. Uh, and for him, he's got to find a way that when something goes wrong, that he can't allow that to fester and just affect every part of his game. And the biggest thing for Yessi Pugliarvi, and I was a, an offensive player when I played, and eventually near, at, near the end of my career, I got taken off the power play. There was guys that were better. And when you always are expected to score goals and you don't score goals, it weighs on your mind. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've gone six games without a goal. Now, 
what are the coaches thinking? What are the, what's the what's the media thinking? What's the general manager thinking of? And he's just got to accept that there's other things that he can do to be successful. And yes, he's going to have a hard time at times finding himself on the power play. In the NHL, if you don't play on your power play, you don't play on the first line, it's hard to score at, with a consistent rate. But he's got to be able to find a way that if he's not putting the puck in the net, he's not getting the power play time, that he can contribute other ways. And I think that's something he's got to learn because right now when things aren't going right offensively for Yessi, all of a sudden his confidence is gone and it's everyone can see it in the rink. And it's very noticeable. And it's a thing where without goal, scoring goals, he can be an effective player because he's got so many other tools that he has at his disposal. All right. Rob, it's always fun to talk to you. We, think of it this way. We have hockey broadcast next month. If I put it that way, it makes it seem a little, maybe a little bit closer than it is, but we do well, have preseason uh, games next month. <laughs> I'm glad it's a month away because right now i got folk fest fog. And I need about a month to clear my head from the last four days. And then I'll be ready for hockey. You went all four days. All four days from opening till closing every day. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. How was the war on drugs? I, I've become oh, quite a fan of them over the last few years. They were incredible. I was I, I'm trying to think of the words I can say on radio. I was a tarp hopper. So I had a, a really good friend that my wife and I grew up with in, in high school. Her name's Tracy, and she got... Front row, her turf was right in front of War on Drugs. Like, uh, we could touch him. We were so close. So I sat with Tracy and watched War on Drugs, and they were unbelievable. The energy was amazing. Everything was good. I, two people that I, that I fell in love with there, Matt Anderson, country singer, unbelievable Canadian guy, and this Allison Russell. She is now my favorite person and singer in the world, another Canadian singer. So those two are incredible, and it was an amazing weekend. Edmonton should be proud. Rob, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for hopping on. I hope the fog clears soon, buddy. (laughs) So does my wife and children. (laughs) All right. That is uh, Rob Brown with some airplane, airport travel stories. A look at uh, Pugliarvi and Yamamoto and a quick review of uh, Folk Fest. I didn't realize Rob was there all four days beginning and end. That's pretty cool. All right, Blue Jays now trailing Baltimore 5-2. That is in the sixth. We'll keep you updated on that one. Scott Ratzlaff from the Halinka Gretzky Cup Championship team, native of Irma, Alberta. He's coming up at 7.05. The Elks this week with Morley Scott is at 7.30. Back in a couple of minutes, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, we got the Gary Dreger Golf Classic in benefit of 630 Ched Centers Anonymous Friday at the uh, links. Uh, Stoff and I are going to be golfing with a couple of very uh, generous folks who bid in an auction to play with us. Hopefully they do not regret that decision by about noon on Friday. I think it'll be okay. But that's uh, that's going to be fun. Elks game coming up Saturday night. Fringe starts on Thursday. I'm going to be volunteering at the Fringe again. Haven't done that since 2019, so I'm looking forward to uh, getting out there and being on site once again. Scott Ratzlaff is a great story, a great goaltender, almost unbeatable at the Halinka Gretzky Cup in Red Deer. He's coming up next. <laughs> 